Good morning, guys. Good morning. My name is Nick, and I am the resident pastor here. If I don't know you guys, quick little bit about me. Um, I am 24 years old. I graduated from Cornerstone University, and that's where I met the Lord. Um, I was encountered radically by Jesus in a dorm room when I was 18 years old. And then I end up graduating with a finance degree. And now I'm here doing full-time ministry. So story of all of our lives, right? But I just wanted to start today with a little story time with Nick. Story time. So we start with a carrot and a horse. And this is a popular parable from Charles Spurgeon. But to paint the picture, we're, we're going to be in a kingdom. Um, think like fairy tale kingdom. And one king rules over this kingdom. There are farmers. There are noblemen. There are, there's an army. And um, one day, a farmer in this kingdom is farming as one does. And he comes upon this carrot. And it is the biggest, juiciest, nicest carrot he's ever seen. And he goes, wow. I love this carrot, and I love my king, so I'm going to bring this carrot to my king. So he grabs this carrot, goes to the kingdom, and says, King, here's this carrot. It is an incredible carrot. I want you to have it because I love you, and I'm going to give you this carrot. And the king says, thanks. The farmer starts walking away, and the king goes, wait. Thank you so much for this carrot. You gave it to me because you love me. Let me give you double the land you already have. Let me bless you because you gave me this carrot. And the farmer is super excited, obviously. I'm like, more land. Especially, I mean, nowadays, land's crazy expensive, right? Um, the, let's not get into the economy, though. But um, so a nobleman who serves the king overheard this and is like, wow, all I have to do is give the king something nice and I get something. Let me do that. And the nobleman's breeding horses. So he comes upon his nicest horse. And he, next day, he goes to the king and says, King, here is my nicest horse. Because I love you, here's my horse. Um, let, I want you to have it. And the king just says, thank you. And the nobleman stands there confused. He's like, oh, where's my land? Like, uh, are you going to give this to me? And the king says... Let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. And I just wanted to sit there today for the message and just say that, have you found yourself doing good for your own benefit? Um, I think we've all found ourselves there sometimes. And throughout this message, I'm just going to tell you that there's more than just that in serving people. There's more for us in serving, and it's not for our own benefit. But there were a couple funny things that I found when I was talking to my parents this week on the phone, and um, I found out that my dad got my mother golf clubs when she was eight months pregnant with my little sister because he wanted to golf more. And, and then my grandma was on the phone with my mom when I was talking to her, and my grandma doubles down and says, yeah, your grandfather got me garbage cans for Mother's Day one year. So we find ourselves in this cycle of doing stuff for our own good um, for others. And we put ourselves in a place above them. And I think we see that in our own lives of 
I mean, if you're a kid in this room or if you've ever been a kid, which I hope all of you have been kids before, doing extra chores to get something out of mom and dad that you want or doing something for your boss so he just happens to think of you when, you, when promotion time comes around, that these things that we're doing for others are really for our own personal gain. And I'm not exempt from that. I think I can think of so many examples in my own life. But the point I want to just tell you today, that there's more. That serving is not just what we're doing, but it's who we're doing it for. It's the person we're doing it for, and it's Jesus. That there's more than just doing good because it benefits us. And we're going to go, we're going to camp around John 13, 4, 17 today. And just to set this up for you, if you'd open your Bibles, I'll read along. Um, this is right after the disciples were eating with the Passover with Jesus. And the disciples all have super dirty feet because they've been, honestly, excuse my language, they've been grinding. They've been, they've been going, they've been making disciples. They've been doing the Lord's work. And their feet are dirty because there's no plumbing. There is probably human poop on their feet. They are wearing these sandals. Their feet hurt. And everyone knows that their feet need to be clean but nobody wants to do it. <laughs> Everyone's looking around like, who's going to clean our feet? Like, who's going to do this? Looking for a slave maybe, because in that cultural context, there were slaves. And we take up right there of Jesus as he. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. So when he did that, wrapped a towel around his waist. That's exactly what a slave would have done in that time. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. First off, imagine saying no to Jesus. Uh, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And then Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. Though not every one of you, for he knew he was, who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also, also wash one another's feet. And I have set an example for you. You should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Wow. Yeah. In this, in this passage, where we're camping is exactly what Jesus was saying, that no person is above the master. No person is above one another. And when we're, when we're serving to feel significant, when we're serving to benefit ourselves, we're not putting ourselves below the person. We're actually putting ourselves above the person. And we're putting ourselves in the position of master, in the position of king, which, spoiler alert, um, it's death to Jesus. That's God. We are not the masters. We are not the king. 
And he, he calls us to put ourselves below others to really represent that Jesus is above all of us and that we will go and we will love. And Robert Foster has this quote that is just so perfect for this message. And Robert Foster wrote the book Spiritual Disciplines, which is the basis of this sermon series. And he writes this for serving. And Quentin, if you'd put that quote, oh, you got it, cool, my bad. Uh, Gathered at the Passover feast, the disciples were keenly aware that someone needed to wash others' feet. The problem was that the only people who washed feet were the least. They were slaves. They were the lowest of the low. So where they sat, feet caked with dirt, it was such a sore point that they were not even going to talk about it. (laughs) Can we think about times in our life where there's an elephant in the room and we're like, let's not even talk about this. Like, I don't even want to talk about my feet right now. I'm so dirty, but I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it, and you're not going to do it. No one wanted to be considered the least. Nobody wanted to be considered the lowest of the low. And then Jesus took a towel and a basin and redefined greatness, having lived out servanthood before them. He called them to the way of service. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you example that you should also do as I have done to you. And from that, Jesus is just exemplifying that it's more than the feet washing, that there is so much more to doing the task. Um, And it's the person. Jesus looked at every single disciple and said, I love you, so I'm going to go and I'm going to wash your feet. And I think in West Michigan, and I think in just in general in life, we get all hung up on tasks of doing, of I, we're really good at doing things. I don't know about you, but throughout my calendar, there's not, there's not many calendar items that says serve this person. It says love this person. But there's a lot of tasks in my calendar that tell me what to do next. And I think that's really just our culture is doing, doing, doing. But Jesus says that he did not clean feet because the feet need to be clean. They did, but he, he cleaned the feet because there was a spiritual cleansing and there was a love for each and every disciple. And um, when I first moved out of Cornerstone, I moved into a house downtown with my friends, with my, with my buddies, and when I was driving around the first time to uh, our house near downtown, the west side, which experiences a lot of homelessness, and I think if any of you have been to Grand Rapids, like, which I hope all of you have been, it's like 15 minutes away, it's great. Um, this is not going to sound like an advertisement for Grand Rapids, though. I'm sorry, guys. It's incredible. I love it. But there's a lot of homelessness, and where I grew up, I did not see much of that. And... Um, even the statistics, there's around 9,000 people in the area of Grand Rapids experiencing homeless, homelessness from last year, and I expect it's probably even higher now. Um, when I was driving by, my heart was breaking, but I didn't know what to do. I've seen my parents give money before. I've seen others give money, give water. I've done, like, homeless outreach where we've given, like, water, given food, but I sensed there was something more, and I never said anything. And then one of my roommates who was serving across the country, 
um, he ended up serving at Skid Row, which is like the craziest homeless area ever. There are needles. It is dirty. And he said he came back from L.A. where Skid Row was, and he was like, I was like, man, what was the one thing you learned there? Because I'm sure the Lord did something crazy. And he was like, yeah, the Lord did something crazy. But the one thing I learned was that homeless people need to be acknowledged as humans above anything else. They don't need all this food, which they, they do, but they just need to be talked to. They need to be looked in the eye and acknowledged because so many of them feel like they're invisible. They feel like they're less than anyone else because they're on the street. And when I heard that, my heart shattered because I thought of how many times I walked quickly past homeless people and not even made, in, made eye contact or driven and they've had a sign and I've just like not looked and have ignored them. My heart broke instantly and a shift happened in my life when I was just driving and doing ordinary things like walking to the grocery store or walking um, I started just saying hi, which is crazy enough. I started just looking them in the eye and asking how they're doing. And I developed friendship. I developed a friendship with a guy named Mike who was right on Lane Avenue by where I live. And it was crazy, crazy enough. He's a human. He, he is a person. He is, has feelings. He wants to be heard he is funny. He, he, he is full of love. He is full of laughter. And I did not ex like, experience that until I walked to that street corner and talked to him, until I walked to that street corner and said, how are you doing? And I think that's something that we are learning in this culture is that it's way more above our day-to-day -day tasks, but it is about the person we are serving. It is about the person. And if Jesus was, was here right now, he would be on those street corners. I know it. And even when I was doing research, uh, Mel Trotter had this really interesting quote about homelessness. And it said, people do not experience homelessness when they run out of money, but is when they run out of relationships. And that's partly because they run out of couches to crash on, um, people to take them in but it's also because we need each other. Um, people who need each other, we were built for relationship, and when we lack that, we lose everything. We, we, when we don't love God or love others, we lose everything. And we need to serve from the idea that people need us, and we need people. And that leads me right into Philippians 2, 3, for, three through 4. I struggled saying that in the first service, too. The two, three, through four. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read this real quick. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And this translation says, not looking to your own interests. But there's Greek translations and the oldest translations that say never look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And like we like theologians believe that that's because in the early church, everyone was so outward focused that they were meeting each other's needs that I was meeting someone's needs and they were meeting mine. So I never had to look to my own needs. 
because someone else was looking. So that freed me up to look out for my brother or sister's needs. And that's exactly what we're called to do, to be so outward focused that we know that God is taking care of our needs and others are taking care of our needs because we love God so much that we're freed up to go on that street corner and love that person. We're freed up to go love each other, each person, because we're not worried about ourselves. But to be honest with you, that's hard for me. That's hard for me to know that my needs, that makes me vulnerable, that I can't control that. I can't control like wh what my needs are, and I want my needs met. And that is not how the Lord has created us to be. And it, <laughs> when I was just praying about this message, I, I feel like every time I prep a message, the Lord does something in me, which is probably a good sign. And the Lord is bringing out this feeling of significance, this feeling of wanting to be significant, of wanting to be needed. And um, I've seen that in my life over and over, of wanting to be significant, of wanting to be needed. And when we serve, we get this idea that we are needed, so we are valued. And when, and when I first got saved, around when I was 18, I got plugged into church life pretty quick. I started serving, started ushering at a church. I think we all start with first impressions sometimes when we can hold a conversation. And um, I started going to these worship nights and started getting in this community that loved the Lord. And it was super normal every night, every day at, when you're a college student to go to these things, go to these events, to serve. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, I'm a good Christian. Or when people ask me, it's like, how's your relationship with God? And it's like, well, I was serving here. I went to this worship night. I went to church on Sunday, and I would never hit actually like what the time I spent with God. I would never hit any actual tangible relationship about God. I would just hit what I did. Well, I went and talked to this person, uh, but I, would, I was wrestling with feeling significant. And when we serve out of feeling significant, it's not really serving anyone but ourselves. It's not really serving the Lord. So what I was wrestling with is feeling significant. But when I, every time I took it to the Lord, every time I went to it, the Lord affirmed that I am a son of God, that I am significant because I am his. And I just want to affirm you guys right now, if you are ever feeling in that significance, craving, feeling important, craving, feeling needed. If you've ever had a kid and have seen the dependence of a child, that's exactly what we are to God. We are dependent on him. We are a son. We are a daughter of the Most High. It is about Jesus over the task we are doing. What he did on the cross exemplifies how we must crucify our flesh daily. There is more for us than just doing the tasks. There is more for us. And I, when I was just developing this, I thought of questions of like how I can stop myself from feeling, trying to feel significant, of how to stop myself of serving others for my own need. And these questions are like, wow. So, the question is, have I prayed into it? And if the answer is no, 
probably shouldn't be doing the thing. You probably shouldn't be serving. You probably shouldn't be if you haven't asked the Lord if that's what you're supposed to do. And, and then the second question is, are my intentions pure? And pure is a super broad definition, but I would say if it aligns with the character of God, it's pure. And then the third is, are my intentions for the person or goal, or is it serving myself? And when I've implemented these questions in my own life, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've said no to a lot more things than I am used to saying no to. As a people pleaser, as someone who has a hard time saying no, when I've implemented these questions into my life, I've said no to doing things that have been deemed by the world or even by the church as good. I've said no to going events that I know the Lord will be glorified in because my heart wasn't in the right spot or the Lord had me go somewhere else and do something else. I've seen when we're obedient, and obedience looks like saying no to things so he can put us in different spots, so he can put, put us in spots where he needs us in that moment. And I've seen that, guys. So when we ask those questions of the Lord and when we meet with God, and spend time in those questions with God, first off, that's prayer. When we ask God those questions, we're praying. So if you don't know how to pray, that's prayer. So praise God, you're praying now. Um, and just a little more tangibly, as a center church community, like I just have a call to action, and I've been praying for us, and I've just felt that right now we're in a season of our head being down. And let me explain that. Um, if you've ever seen a preteen walk with uh, headphones in and their phone, they walk like this. They walk with their head down. They're getting the task done. They're walking. They're physically walking. But I'm not convinced they see anything else but their phone and the sidewalk. So right now, I believe that we are doing tasks. We are filling the coffee. We are greeting. We are going and doing things. We are going to church. The tasks are being achieved. That's awesome. Box checked. The tasks are being done. But I believe the Lord's asking us to pull our heads up now and see the people around us, see the world, see what the Lord has created, and walk with our heads up now. So we're still doing the task but we're meeting people where they're at. We're loving people as God and Ted's. We're loving God and then loving others. And the Lord's asking us to do that. And tangibly, I believe Byron Days is going to be a great example of that. And I'm wearing this shirt, um, shameless plug, because Friday and Saturday, we're going to be in the community serving at Byron Days, which is a uh, celebration of Byron Center. And as a church, we are called to Byron Center. We are in the center of Byron Center. I believe, uh, I live in Grand Rapids, but uh, I believe 84th Street is the center of Byron Center. I'm still learning geographically, but we're in the middle of it. And if we're going to be a church in the middle of Byron Center and not meet people where they're at or love people, what's the point of us being here? We might as well go to Door, right? Um, and go serve there. Uh, we might as well. And so... The call to action is to go to Byron Days and serve, but keep our head up. But as you're serving in the kids zone or in parade cleanup, John will talk details. He's a detail guy today. And we're going to keep our head up 
and see the person to our left and to our right. And as we're cleaning up, we're going to have those conversations and meet the person where they're at. Because Jesus left the 99 for the one, and so will we. And it's not because we love cleaning up. It's not, I, unless you do, but please come too, because I suck at cleaning up. Um, but I'm going to be there, and I believe all of us should be there to love the Byron Center community well and really meet them where they're at. And with the expectation that someone might see the love of Jesus through that, someone, meet the, someone might meet the Lord because we are willing to clean up. And that goes way past Byron days. If you have plans this weekend, don't dismiss me. Don't be like, okay, cool, Nick. Uh, I'm not going to be there, so you're ignored. But we take this into every single day of our lives. We take this into when we go to the pharmacy, when we go to school, when we go to work, when we go meet our parents who maybe don't know the Lord, when we go hang out with our kids who maybe don't know the Lord yet. We serve them and go underneath them because we love them and God loves them and God has a purpose over their lives to be met by him. And they might meet him because of your willingness to serve, because of your willingness to be the least. They might see you and it'll be so countercultural. They'll question it. Why are you doing this for me? It makes no sense. You're right. It makes no sense. But Jesus told us to do it. So we're going to. Because he died for our sins. And that makes no sense either, but he did it. And we are redeemed and we are loved because of Jesus and what he did. So as image bearers, we're going to do that as a center community. And I am just as excited to go on that journey with you guys as someone who is broken, but someone who is radically loved by him as well. So right now, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. Everyone stand up. We're going to just commission all of us to serve others and to love others. So I'm just going to read this small commissioning prayer over us, and then I'm going to pray. And we're going to go back into worship, but just continue to spend time just sitting with the Lord on what he wants you to do on who he's calling you to serve in this time because someone might meet him because of you. So if you want to read this out, I'm just going to read it over us. Jesus, give us your heart each day to love others as you do. We want to keep our heads up and live outward focused. Mark our community as people who love you so much that we cannot help but love others. Yes, Jesus. Hmm. Jesus, let those words reign over us right now. Oh, that we can't help but to love you. <laughs> we can't help but to love you because of what you've done in our lives. But because we love you, you're asking us to love others. You're asking us to meet others where they are at and wash their dirty feet and love them because they are humans, because they are sons and they are daughters before they even know it yet, before they even know that they are called beloved. God calls them beloved, so we will too.
So as a center community, we just pray that we can, we can keep our heads up. We can put our heads up to meet others in Byron Center, to meet others who are drowning in sin, who need you. Jesus, people need you in Byron Center. And if we don't tell people, if we don't love people, who's going to tell them? Who's going to love them well if we as Christians aren't going to? So Jesus, give us a supernatural love today for you that overflows into loving others. We thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you for that. We are, we are so grateful. And we're going to let that gratitude overflow into service. That we're going to serve because our love for you, not our love for ourselves. We give everything to you. In your holy, blessed name, amen.